So for purposes of manners, I would like to acknowledge my director, the World Empowerment Movement, all the ministers from everywhere who have come to fellowship with us. Um, I also like to acknowledge my wife. Peace. 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 A peace unto you. Peace unto you. Uh, this is a new peace sign. Things changed from December 2019. So today, we are going to get right into the word, and I encourage you to stay awake because the things that God wants to. You see, um, there are gates of power that, that God wants us to access in this afternoon. And God has given me some keys to those gates. And if you pay attention, there's a dimension you are going to catch. And for some of you, if you pay attention to the extent of paying it painfully, don't doubt. I'm the one with the puppet here. Now. So the English should be correct. The dimension is going to get you. There's a place where the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. But the Bible says, and the Holy Spirit clothed Gideon with himself. It's called the superimposing presence of God. Where you're no longer trying to believe something, but your faith in that dimension has become a knowledge. Okay, let's do this. So, today, we are looking at the seven streams of power. So, the men, the men, the men, you can say, you can say power for progress. Then as a subtitle, you can say, the seven streams of the power of God. Hallelujah. Should you doze? So what is power? Power is the ability to cause change, obviously. Power is the capacity to work miracles. Everybody say capacity to work miracles. Okay, so power is the capacity to work miracles. And I'm trying by all means to define it in very spiritual uh, nomenclature. So power is a capacity to work miracles. There is power that is responsible for the miracles that we see, whether in the Bible or in the life of those people that are around you. There is power that is responsible for what they do. There's a spirit in man, the Bible says. There's a spirit in man responsible for the production of that power and capacity to make people do what they do. Because when you look at some people, sometimes you'll be amazed at what causes them to do what they do at their age. It means there's a, there's a certain uh, dimension, there's a certain grace, a power that they've tapped into. We're talking about doing godly things. There are also some people, when you hear what is coming out of their mouth, the negativity that is coming out, the things that they are able to do, and you look at their age, you'll be like, there's a negative power here. The, so it's in both ways. You can tell that someone is working by the power of God or the power. It's, it's the same thing that is responsible for prosperity and riches. You see? The blessing of God is, 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 a, is, a, is a work of the Holy Spirit, which when we open, seems to work magnetic principles on the life of a person. So you begin attracting things. You begin attracting things. It seems, it, it, it just begins to seem like things are flowing in your favor. The same way is a curse. The curse is a power. It wields upon individual repelling forces. Everybody just doesn't seem to like you. And if there's anybody here who has come with any curse, it is breaking. Because God is releasing dimensions of power. Hallelujah. 
Power is the spiritual force you need to shift physical and spiritual circumstances to a desired place. I'm going to say that again. Power is a spiritual force, or power is spiritual force. You need to shift physical and spiritual circumstances to a desired place. Hallelujah. Power is the ability to legally enforce your will and cause circumstances and people to work together in doing your bidding. So there are things that you want to happen, but sometimes you don't have the connection. You don't have the people. But when you come into power, the power of God is that thing. It's that substance which causes men to rush in order to bless you. And I decree and declare after this meeting that men will fight in order to bless you. I decree and declare that people will war just to, they will be fighting. No, I'm the one giving him a lift. No, I'm the one giving the promotion. In the name of Jesus. That's why I'm telling you that I have come with a mandate to open dimensions of power. So, you remain open. Power is when you have a voice in the spirit and can be heard, both in the kingdom of light and in the kingdom of darkness. Listen, it's not every time that you are heard by God. <laughs> Sometimes people are heard by his mercies. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. But there are prayers that people make and they see results because there's a dimension of power and access that they've hit in the realm of the spirit. And you're going to, by the grace of God, God is going to open your eyes and your heart to dimensions of power that causes your voice to be heard in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Yeah, not everyone is the same in the kingdom of God. We are loved the same, we are saved the same. But it, when it comes to rank and serving God, we are different. And that accords us dimensions of power through which we can serve God with results. Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm power is the ability to command, to command either safety for yourself and those around you or the defeat of your enemy. Power is the ability to command either safety for yourself and those around you or the defeat of your enemies in times of trouble. You need power. Brothers and sisters, we are living in a time and an age where things are just happen, happening hap, haphazardly. The enemy knows that now more than ever, he's got very little time left. And the way that is coming at believers, both, matter of fact, both non-believers and believers alike, he just hates anything, any human, anything human, he doesn't like it. And sometimes people think because I'm a satanist, then maybe the devil likes me. No, he doesn't. Let me tell you something. The Bible says the enemy is roaring, uh, is moving about like a roaring lion, seeking whom to devour. It doesn't say seeking the believer to devour. Meaning, So don't think because you are a satanic, then you are safe. No. The devil is a liar. He's a liar. He even lies to some of his demons. They even know we are working for a lying boss. The Bible says he's been a liar from the beginning. And when he lies, he speaks his native tongue. He, he lies. That's his, his native tongue. It's my native tongue. I don't struggle. So when he's lying, he would, he, he would think he's telling the truth, but he's telling a lie. So you have to have power. Somebody say power. In order to deal with him and put him in his place. And after today, there's a dimension of power you are getting into. That will enable you to put the enemy in his place. Sometimes people think it's just about using the name of Jesus. And you have to listen to me very carefully. Using the name of Jesus is one dimension of power that I'm not even going to talk about. So the first dimension of power I'm going to talk about, and when time comes, I'll, I'll end it. Wherever I'll end, we'll continue in the next chitet. The first dimension of power is salvation. Write that down. 
The Bible says in Colossians chapter number 1, verse 13, that he has moved us from the kingdom of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the son of his love, through whom we have forgiveness uh, in his blood, forgiveness from sin. And so, the Bible also teaches us in Ephesians chapter number 1 and chapter number 2 that we have been raised together with Jesus Christ and been caused to live in the heavenly places far above. All power and all principality and all rule. You've been raised together with Jesus Christ. Look, when you get saved, Romans chapter number 6 tells you, in, in Christ's death, in your baptism, you die with Christ and you resurrect with him. And when you receive him, what happens in the spirit is the time that Jesus Christ was being resurrected, you are backdated to that period of time. And you are dying with him and you are resurrecting with him with a resurrected, uh, 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 with a resurrected rank in the spirit. And you are given a new coat and you are seated in the heavenly places. Now you are just not seated in the heavenly places. It's connotational. It's far above principalities and powers and rule and authority listen to me and sometimes we sometimes we put a lot of weight there are some there are some teachings which seem to exhort powers that have illegally taken over countries and nations and oh when you're praying against these you need to be careful but the bible says we are sitting with jesus christ look if you listen to some of those things a lot and you misinterpret them you may end up not doing ministry you may end up having to work too hard for what god gave you for free why did Jesus Christ say, go ye therefore? So that knowledge alone, that we've been caused to live in the heavenly places. The Bible doesn't say nearly above. The Bible doesn't say an arm's length away. The Bible says far above. Somebody shout far above. It doesn't matter. Listen, there are some of you who think, oh, the battles that I'm fighting. No, don't think like that. I used to think like that. The, I looked at some of the battles I fought, and I, my shoulders lifted unknowingly. I was like, yeah. And then the Spirit of God, I was like, I was, like, I was born for this. I was born for battle. Then the Spirit of God told me, no, you're not born for battle. You're born for victory. What the Bible says, you may win many battles. You may win many battles by the revelation that you are born for battle. But when you work with the revelation that you are born for victory, the, the quantity and the time in which you win battles you, win to, you used to win in five years reduces to five minutes. Because you are fighting with the consciousness that I am winning. It's like people who say we are under a generational case. You can't fight it. Without even going into the scripture, you, should, you, you, you can't fight something that you are under. You need to have come to an understanding that you are far above. Hallelujah. So, now, that's what salvation does. Salvation brings you into that place. But listen to me. If you think that just getting saved is enough, then you could probably be joking. Because we have many people who've been saved, but they are still afflicted. We see that in many people's lives. Because salvation, salvation, salvation is like you used to use uh, an Android product. Let's say Huawei Y9, 2019, because it's the phone I use. And then you switch to let's say iphone iphone 12 pro so it means you have shifted from one operating system to the other so you have to begin learning salvation the salvation is a journey it's not just an it's not a destination it's a journey you begin learning things in salvation someone say i'm learning, I'm learning. so you have to learn 
that when you're using an iPhone, you do not have an app, an app store, you've got an Apple store. Things begin to change. The settings begin to change. So you have to learn to use this new gadget that you've begun to use. That's why the Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So you have to learn to work out your salvation. Someone said, I'm working out my salvation. That's what the Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter number 2 verse 12. To work out your salvation, to begin learning. When you read the Bible in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 verse 17, Amplified, it says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old, then it says that old consists moral and spiritual condition. And the new has come. This is why we encourage people to get discipled discipled and join local churches because the principal purpose of the local church is to grow disciples it to be hubs of places of service and maturity so you submit yourself to a local church or to a pastor or one of these good mentors and they begin helping you grow spiritually are you listening to me so that you can you can grow in your salvation someone say i'm growing in my salvation because salvation is like that it's like you were a man then you wake up you are a woman it's just an and let's see, just, just imagine. It means you have to be taught, you do not wear that kind of jeans as a woman. You may still have the mind of a man. So you have to learn that, no, when you are bathing as a woman, you take, you take at least 30 minutes, not one soap, one water. But if you don't know, you may behave like a man and take one soap, one water. When you are walking, you don't walk like you are dancing one of those strange copala dances. No, you walk with grace and elegance. Are you listening to me? So you, be, you have to be taught. You just can't come out like that with a chishawelo in October. No, you wear a nice blouse as a woman. So you need to be taught. So salvation brings you to a place of power. Salvation brings you to a place of power, but it is not enough. The second dimension is the gospel. Now by the gospel, I do not mean the New Testament alone. I mean the entirety of the body of the Logos, the word of God. And when I talk about the Logos, when you look at the etymology of the word Logos, it, just does, it just does not just mean the written word. That word Logos <clears throat> means the thought, the intention, and the expression. So the word Logos is not just like one dimension of the word. It's actually the mother body under which the word Rema, for those who may know some of these things, falls. Because even the expression of that Logos, which is called Rema, is still Logos. So... It's not just the New Testament. When I talk about the gospel, I'm talking about the fullness of the counsel of God that has been given to us by the word of God. Because the word of God exists in five dimensions that you find in the book of Psalm chapter number 19 verse 7. It says the law of God, which is the word of God. So one dimension is the law. Somebody say the law of God. The law of God is perfect. It converts the soul. So the law converts the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It makes the wise simple. The testimonies of God is a dimension of the word of God that makes the simple to be wise. Then the commandment of the Lord is pure. It enlightens the eye. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forevermore. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they uh, than God. I left that one. The statutes of the Lord, which it is in verse 8, are right. Rejoicing the heart. We can get into that in detail. But you find all of these not just in the New Testament. The wisdom of God is found in the Bible. So for example, if you're saying, oh, we're just New Testament people, then you cannot say, no, we've been formed against, I shall prosper. Because that wisdom is in the Old Testament. It's a wisdom of the prophets. You cannot say we are blessed going in and coming out. Because you belong to the New Testament. But that wisdom is in Deuteronomy chapter 28. So the totality of the gospel, obviously there are issues of rightly dividing the word of God according to 2 Timothy 2.15. But 
when we talk about the fullness of the gospel, we are talking about accessing the dimension of the power of God through his counsel that is given to us in his word. This is why the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter number uh, 1 verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the... I just want to know if you are following. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of God because it is the power of God unto salvation. Thank God what we have is not an argument. What we have is not just a way to persuade people. What we have is power. Somebody say power. History does not have power. Mathematics does not have power. How many here, after learning the thorax and the abdomen, what is it doing for you? Science does not have that power. The power of God goes deeper into your spirit. This is why the Bible tells us, this is why the Bible tells us that the word of God, Hebrews 6, the word of God is living and active and four verse 12, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword and goes to the dividing line of the spirit and the soul and the joint and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word of God is manifold. It just doesn't touch the physical world. It goes deep into the soul and goes deeper into the spirit. Shout hallelujah. That kind of propaganda is a propaganda of power. We have a gospel that is full of power. You did not believe a lie. You did not believe a lie. The gospel has power. The Bible says as Paul was preaching, he noticed that a lame man, he was just preaching the gospel. He noticed that the man who was lame had faith to be healed. And then he just touched him and the man leaped up on his feet. The gospel has power. Hallelujah. You have not believed a lie. And after you've heard this gospel, you are going back. Something is going to enter your spirit. Something from the gospel is going to infuse into your innermost and change something about you. Shout hallelujah. That's important for us to understand. Now, the Bible says, I'm not, he's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm glad it doesn't say it's the power of God unto redemption. It doesn't say the power of God unto redemption. It says unto salvation. When we talk about redemption, it means the gospel is going to be limited only to the salvation of man from sin to eternal life. But the word salvation is the word soteria. It means deliverance. It means there's health. It means there's prosperity. It is not, it's, it's not just an issue of you getting into eternal life. Some of you say, yes, we need the gospel just to go to heaven. Then you start using human wisdom to prosper in this life. But you have missed it, my brother and sister. In the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. There is power for salvation. There is power for your healing. In the gospel, there is power for your deliverance. In the gospel, there is power for your progress. And as we listen to the gospel, the spirit of progress is coming upon us. Hallelujah. But then I want you to notice something. He's, he's saying, He's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, I'm going to tell you something about the gospel. The gospel in itself does, and listen to me very carefully. Someone say we are listening. The gospel of God in itself does not automatically save, does not automatically bring soteria. When you read the book of Acts chapter 20, verses 32, the Bible says, I commend you therefore, brethren, to God and to the word of his grace, which is able, it is able, the word is not dunam is able, it's dunamai. It is, it, is, it is talking about possibility. It is talking about what, is, what the word of God is potentially able to do. The word of God is able does not automatically mean that it's going to take you there. This is so important. This is so important. It's the potential of the word of God. Think of it like what we call potential energy. 
when we talk about potential energy, we are talking about the energy that an object possesses by reason of rest. It's, it's dormant energy. It's not doing anything. It's energy that a body possesses by reason of rest. And it may be great energy, but it does not necessarily profit anything. And so we, 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 we say, for example, let's imagine a rock that is lifted 10 meters off the earth on a steep slope, and it's only balancing by a very small rock. Now, imagine if it falls down the kind of damage it can do. But it's not falling. It's just there. It's potential. Are you listening to me? Even the word of God is like that. It's potential. And the potential energy of an object is measured by its height relative to other objects. So the amount of potential energy that any object possesses is measured by its mass and its height. So, for example, let me, let me have two. Two men. Okay, good. Come. Come up, come, come up here. You, you remain down, Tikon. Face, face him. So, this is a rock. Come up here. Do not be afraid. This is a rock. Somebody say rock. And then, maybe that's like a new car which was just bought. Let's calculate the potential energy that this rock has in order to damage this car. To know the amount of damage that this object can do on this car, we have to first measure the weight. Everybody say weight. Or mass. But I will use weight interchangeably. And then the height. Then that adds to what they call acceleration due to gravity. And when the enough momentum is, is reached, it may break that. So if it's at a, very, at a very high height, let's say this is a rock, and it is on top there, and it's like let's say 500 kilograms. If we remove that thing which is holding it and it comes down on the, on the car, what happens to the car? So what I'm telling you is that potential energy is measured by the weight of an object relative to others based on height. Now, let's go down my rock. If this is a rock and this is still the car and it's on the same plane, what amount of damage can it do? It's not much, right? You can see it. I'm about to explain something. In the same way, we can measure the potential energy or the potential power that the Word of God has. Now, when we understand the potential power or the potential energy that the Word of God has, then it will lift our spirits to require it, to desire it, to come into play and crush some car which God has not put down there. So if we are saying potential energy is measured by the mass, by the mass of an object and height, then let's measure the height of the word of God. Because what we are saying is that the word of God, we can measure the potential energy of the word of God and we are going to do it right here. Because what we are saying is that the word of God is able to build you. So what it has is inherent power. It's not practical power. But the reason why we are not crazy about wanting to get that potential energy and converting it into something kinetic in order that it does the work that we desire is because maybe we have no understanding of the amount of potential energy that the word of God wields. So number one, what is the mass or the weight of the word of God? Somebody say, I am ready. <laughs> All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to interpret it like this. Number one, what the Bible says is this. Isaiah 66 verse 1. It says, Thus saith the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. 
where is the house that you will build me? So if someone is saying heaven is my throne, it means they have filled the entire heaven with themselves. This is the throne. It is heaven. Then this is the footstool. That's where they put their foot. Let's imagine the weight of such kind of an individual. He also says in his word, I have a, he also says in his word, if we are going to talk about maybe just weight, the person of God is known by three attributes. He's omnipotent, he's omnipresent, and he's omniscient. Omnipotent means he's all-powerful. Now, if we are calling God the embodiment of all power, where his mass. Now remember, what the Bible says is, in the beginning was the word, John chapter number one, verse one, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we don't know which one is the word and which one is God because they are one. So if we want to understand the word of God, we have to understand the person of God. And if we want to understand the person of God, we have to understand his word. So what we are seeing here is this is, this is God we are literally talking about. When we talk about the word of God, our revelation is that this is God that we are talking about. That's the mass that he possesses. Now, when we talk about the height of the word of God, here is another mystery. Although God is one in his word, he said, I have exalted my word above all my name. And Jesus Christ being the word of God, the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians chapter number two that he has been given a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth should bow. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Shout hallelujah. That means even God himself. So this is a mystery. The Bible says, for it pleased God that the fullness of God should dwell in Jesus Christ in bodily form. That is to mean that God exalting his word above his name, meaning he's also in his word, so that when glory comes to his word, his name can be glorified. You get it, you get it. So that is the height and the weight of the word of God. The Bible also says, my word, Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not my thoughts, 55 verse 8, neither are my ways your ways. The same way that the heavens are apart from the earth, so are my thoughts far from your thoughts and my ways from your ways. Are you following me? That is to automatically mean two things. Remember there are three heavens. There's the first, the second, and the third. The third one is spiritual because it says, the third heavens belong to God, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. So if we are discussing the height between the realm of the spirit and this physical realm, then it's just not a physical distance. It means that we are talking about an issue of superiority and inferiority, and the realm of the spirit is superior to the realm of the physical, to the physical realm. And so when we talk about God's, the word of God's potential energy and what it can do, it surpasses all things. But besides, <clears throat> even though the word of God has got all this power, as we have seen, it still can't do anything for you. If you want, you can take all the tapes in the CDs that Pastor Fred, Apostle Fred has preached, Prophet Gomez has preached, and sleep on them. There will be no osmosis that will happen. You will still have, you will still have a bad dream. You say, but I slept on these books. Yes, you did, and there's power in them. But that power has to be converted from potential energy to kinetic energy, and, and, or practical energy. And... The catalyst that is responsible for that conversion is called faith. This is the next dimension of power. Listen, there's a difference between faith and belief. Believing is a state of the heart. It shows that you have the conviction. But faith acts on the belief. That's why the Bible says that demons believe. They even tremble. They don't have faith. They believe. Because belief 
Belief means you, you have the conviction, but you're not doing anything about it. For example, demons have the conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Of all. They have the conviction, they know, they believe that God is the most high. And even though we are saving the devil, <laughs> we are just lying to each other here. They know, but they do not act like their belief. There are two main ways in which faith is expressed. What you say and what you do. That's why the Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians 4.13, with the same spirit of faith, I have believed. Therefore, I have spoken. This, look, you just don't keep quiet. If you want to start converting the potential energy of the word of God into something practical, you've got to start saying something. You've got to start saying something. Don't get tired of saying something. Some of you are saying, oh, I've been saying this for some time, but it's not changing. Don't stop. The Bible teaches us in the book of Mark 11 that Jesus Christ cursed the fig tree. He cursed it and nothing happened. His disciples, I'm sure Thomas couldn't believe it. He was just like, It was just rough. I can imagine John, the beloved disciple, going to get him. No, master, these things happen. This is what happens on earth. But they didn't know. The following day, today as you make your confessions, the following day, the following day, the Bible says the following day as they were going, they found that the tree which had cursed had dried from the roots. Shout hallelujah. It may look like it's not happening. It's drying from the roots. As long as you are engaging the logos and bringing it to a dynamic of kinetic energy through your mouth, something is happening. Angels are moving because they move according to the word of God at the frequency of the word of God. And they are doing things. Now, because you are in the dimension of time, this is why the Bible says, let us, let us follow the example of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Faith says it has happened now. Patience waits for the manifestation. And patience means, I'm okay. It may take time. It's here already. Patience is not waiting. Patience is not chilling. It's an attitude that is there. Are you listening to me? And if you want to be kept by the power of God, what the Bible says is this. First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. He's talking about the believers in verse 5. He says, who are kept by the power of God through faith. If you want to be kept by the power of God, the active power of God, you walk by faith. I've seen some people say, oh, faith, faith, is a, faith is a movement. It's not a movement, it's a lifestyle. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5 says, the just shall live by faith. They just have to live by faith. It's a lifestyle. You cannot live outside faith. You, will, you live in weakness. Another dimension in which faith operates is your actions. Somebody say actions. The Bible says of the ten lepers, Jesus Christ told them to go and show themselves to the priests. I'm sure some of them were like, what? I thought he would like wave his hand and say, take it, then we would fall. But no, the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. That means as they acted on the word that was released, something happened to them. Listen, when you go out of this place, those words that demand that you do something about them, on them. It's the catalyst that moves the power of God from the gospel a place of potential energy to results that you can see. Somebody say I hear you. So say something and do something. It's a dimension of faith. Now I'm also going to tell you about maybe, maybe the last one because of time. Uh, uh, prayer. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Before I tell you that I've got some a few minutes. Before I tell you that, let me say this. The, 
The, the, the other dimension of power that you need to know is revelation. Somebody say revelation. Revelation simply means the unfolding. It simply means it's apocalypsis, meaning something was there, but it was not really there because you did not have insight into it. It's, it's by revelation that we get to understand the workings of God in very, normal, in very normal things. It's by revelation that some of you, God, will open your eyes to see who your marriage partner will be. I was always seeing my wife. I knew her. I remember one time I even mistreated her because I was like, why are you late? I had the knowledge of her, but I didn't have the revelation. So Paul is, say, is praying that God should give you revelation in the knowledge of him. When that insight opens, it, it puts you in a place of power. Because every revelation is a dimension of power. And then there are three dimensions of revelation. You get from the word of God. Then you get from the spirit of God as it talks to you. Then you get from other people. Now, mainly I'm going to talk about the word of God. Let me give you an example. One time... I was struggling with fear because I had a bad accident. And that was 20, 2012. I had a very bad accident. Then when I praying, I was with my mother. My biological mother is here. We were praying in Bala. As we were praying in Bala, I was like, my goodness, I'm about to move from Bala to Lusaka. How am I going to manage all that fear? Because I was traumatized and I didn't want to tell them because I was a man of God. So... Look for someone you can talk to. Don't die inside. Things happen, but open up. That's a story for another day. Now, I was praying, and they just heard me praying intensely. I'm sure they were like, ah, he's a man of God. Painting and loosing and releasing. And then I heard the Spirit of God say, does, what does Deuteronomy 28 say? Then I said, and he took me right to the scripture. It says, you shall be blessed going in and coming out. And you shall be blessed going into the city and coming out in the city. He said, is that what it says? Then I said, yes, sir. And then he says, but if you're blessed going in and coming out, then at what point do we have the accident? I was like, no, yes, sir. Then he kept quiet. Then I was like, ah, let's do this. Let's do this. As in, when it would go on bumps, I would tell the driver, times two. I remember traveling to Chingola one time. This is what Revelation does. I remember traveling to Chingola one time and I just wanted to use power tools. But then I found it was full. Then the Spirit of God told me, I heard the Spirit of God at, 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 at Intercity and he said, it's not about the bus, it's about the man on the bus. I was like, hey, guess what I did? I looked for the worst of them. You see, when God speaks, it dissolves doubts. It produces, you do things that you were unable to do. I remember somebody, God one day told me to go and get a job somewhere. When I went to get that job, the PS didn't like me. I entered, he chased me, he abused me. Now, I didn't want to get a job there, but God told me to go get a job there. When I went back into prayer, I was excited. I told God, Lord, they refused. <laughs> God told me, go back. Sir, there were about 15 other application letters which had come about three weeks before me. I went like two days ago. The following day, I went there. The secretary looked at me and said, <laughs> you're back. <laughs> I was like, yes. Hey, there's a spirit in man. When God speaks, it dissolves doubts. This is why you have to learn to hear God. There's a book I wrote titled Decoding Destiny Hearing God. Find it and buy it. Because the Bible says buy knowledge and don't sell it. So, when God spoke to me, I, I went there boldly. When you know God has spoken, there's like a boldness about you. I reached there. The secretary looked at me and said, you, you're back. I was like, yes. 
And then she said, <laughs> there, enter. When, before I entered, I said, there's a scripture I read somewhere that God shut the mouth of the lion. I said, I shut the mouth of the lion. As you are coming out of here, you're receiving power to shut the mouth of lions. By the dimension of power called revelation, you are going to shut the mouth of lions. I don't know what your lion might have been, but you're going to shut it after today. Because there's revelation that is going to enter your spirit, dissolve doubt, and produce power. Somebody say power. power. Christians are not supposed to be weak. The Bible says the following signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. No, we were not designed to, walking, to be walking down. Our faces are looking on the floor and we're just fighting a devil. And life is on. No. The Bible says in all these things, you are more than a conqueror. Shout hallelujah. So I knocked. Apostle, the man forgot me. He looked at me and said, what do you want? I said, Zegude Agida. <laughs> he said I, want a, I said, I want a job. True story. True story. I said, I want a job. He said, okay, bring your acceptance letter. Because he assumes I have the acceptance letter, so he's supposed to sign it. I was like, no, I wasn't given any job. He said, oh, okay. Go into the secretary's office. Let her print you one. I said, wait, sir. of God in Zimbabwe was fired from work. It was the only means he had. He prayed. He went back to work. The boss forgot he had fired him. We are not talking about witchcraft. You think what witchcraft can do? God can triple it. I walked there. I told the secretary, write me a letter. The secretary began to write. Are you sure? I said, yes. The secretary wrote. I took it. I went to the man. I said, hey, it's new. He said, congratulations, come work on Sunday. I said, thank you, sir. Hey! Somebody's about to say thank you, sir, this week. Somebody's about to say thank you, sir. By reason of the power of revelation, you are about to say thank you, sir. Let me tell you one last one. The power and dimension of power, that is through prayer. What the Bible says is, the prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. James 5.16, Amplified Version. The power of God makes tremendous power available, the prayer of a righteous man, so you have to be saved. To make a prayer that makes, don't just say, oh, some people, I like to say, no one makes a powerful prayer, they just make a powerful prayer, a, 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 a prayer to a powerful God. No, the Bible says, it's a person can make a powerful prayer. You think it was a weak prayer that Elijah prayed to bring down rain? No, sir. No, sis. It wasn't. You're about to make a powerful prayer after this. Listen to this. I know a lot of people who can preach. I know a lot of people who can do a lot of things. But few people can pray. Why? Because prayer is a sacrifice. Listen. A lot of people give very weak sacrifices of prayer before God. I've seen people take naps so that they can study and be strong. I've, never, I've seen few people take naps so they can wake up to pray. I've seen few people do that. Why? You don't believe your prayer is powerful. And you see, prayer is a sacrifice. 
And the necessity is that every sacrifice, number one, must be acceptable. Every sacrifice must be acceptable. And you've been called, the Bible says, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So one way you offer your body as a living sacrifice, it's a strange word in Olasco. Living sacrifice means always dying but living. That means you may be feeling like dying, dying to sleep, but you are awake praying. That's how it works. Don't, some of you like, God understands. No, God can understand all you like. The situations of life won't change. They will not understand. There were two, when you read the book of Revelation 12, the Bible tells us about the dragon. That saw the woman lifted. And when she had given birth to a male child, the dragon began to persecute the woman. And the woman was given the wings of an eagle and she flew into the wilderness. And what happened was the dragon from its mouth gushed out and vomited water in order to swallow her. But the Bible says the earth opened itself up and swallowed the water. Now we know that's talking about the Lord Jesus. And the woman went into the wilderness for three and a half years. When you read the story of Jesus, you find Jesus Christ went out from Herod for three and a half years into Egypt, right? And what happened was when the three or when the wise men not three when the wise men knew that herod wanted to kill the child they did not go back the way of that where herod was instead they warned them and they went another way that is what the bible means when it says the earth opened itself and swallowed the waters because earth is representative of people so people prevented the death of the lord jesus but let me show you something also important the Bible in Luke chapter number 2 talks about two men. One is named Simeon. God entrusted the destiny of Jesus Christ into the hands of two intercessors. The Bible talks about Simeon. This one was not going to die. His punishment is he will not die until the Messiah is born. In other words, he would want to, be to, to, to die any time. Then God was saying, you death there is no. He desired to die, but God said, you're not going to die. So he kept interceding. So as you are seeing in the book of Revelation, in the book of Revelation, there's so much power to preserve the woman, but it's coming from Simeon, because Simeon is interceding. The Bible says, I looked and I saw, and there was no intercession, and I was discouraged. There are some of you, there are, there, there are things that have been put in your hands, destinies of men, destinies of your families. If only you may intercede, you may not know the amount of warfare going on in the spirit. Hannah, the Bible says of the, another one, Anna, she never left the temple, but she served the Lord with prayer and fasting. What was she doing? She was praying for the preservation of the Messiah. Sir, there are people you will meet in heaven and you'll be amazed at the mansion they will have. They were not mentioned. They were doing an assignment. And they were releasing power and angels were coming out. I want us to pray. I want us to stand and pray. As you begin to pray, there's a dimension of power that is going to be released for the preservation and sharpening and manifestation of your destiny. Right now, raise your voice. Let your prayer go up before heaven. Your destiny is too precious. Your destiny is too precious. Your destiny is too precious. Come on, pray for your destiny. Angels have been released. 
The Bible says stars fought in their courses for Deborah. Stars are going to be fighting. Something is changing. If there's a man to pray, there's a God to answer. I see your destiny 